You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Right, mate, let's get this pod going because I have got the next 48 hours of my life are a fucking joke. You um, busy? I'm, going, I'm guessing you are since, since you just said that, but it's crazy, man. Just doing things like, like yesterday. Let me run you through my day yesterday. So I couldn't run yesterday. I didn't have a chance to run at all, which is really annoying. So got up, had to be at wholesalers for half nine to pick up all the beers for tomorrow. Then I had to drive to, so then that took 25 minutes to drive there. Then I had to drive another 40 minutes into Hammersmith, central London to Day's Brewing office. They're a non 0% alcoholic beer. Pick up 350 beers, put them in the boot. Then I had to drive to Battersea Park for a photo shoot for a charity that I'm doing some work with. That ran late. So then my podcast that I was due to be on at three, I didn't get on till four, meaning that I couldn't then run. Then I had to drive to uh, Elves Court and park my car and get a train from tube from Elves Court to Covent Garden for a Red Bull event. And then I got home at 11 o'clock and I went to bed. Um, I mean, what I'm going to say is you've made your bed and you've got to lie in it. Like, no. you're the one who's, you know, you're the one who's doing all these things. You've got to Very take true. it on the chin sometimes. I mean, it must be so hard to have to go to a Red Bull event. I feel so sorry for you. Like you. Yeah, true. No, I know, I know. But those things are like a pain in the ass, man, because they fuck everything up. But at the same time, good networking. My event, my day yesterday, pretty much banged on the same. I woke up late, replied to a few emails. Somehow it was already 12 o'clock, went for a run, got back, had some lunch, edited a video for a bit, then went training, then got back and had to clean because I've been, I've been um, home alone for two weeks, uh, like a week, and living by myself for two weeks, I forget that things don't magically get clean. Nice. So I, have to, I basically do one job, leave it, and then go and do something else and then realise that the job I've done previously, I haven't cleaned up from. So then that took me to about 11. So we basically had the same day. I, I finished at 11 as well. Uh, no Red Bull event, which is quite a shame. Then again, want, I don't, don't. Do you want the start lists for tomorrow? Yeah, so I've got the the T1 comeback 5,000 up. Or is it is it the whole thing called T1? I've got race. So got, oh, from open track? Yeah, yeah, oh, I'm so on open track. Yeah, that's fine then. That's that's like the most recent. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all you need, bro. The only thing you won't have on there is placemakers, but I can chat to you about that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We've got Ed Goddard from Australia pacing. I'm not going to try and do an Australian accent. What what pacemaker? Is, is they going for like eight? Did you say 808 through 3K? No, uh, Nick Gulab's taking it 812, which is 1340. Um, and then uh, that's, that's yeah, and to be honest, he said he might finish. So that would be quite an interesting. I'm looking at the start list of this Heat 7, which I guess is the fastest race of the day. It's... Um, I mean, there's more 13s in it than 14s. 
yeah the men's and the yeah that's that's the quickest yeah is this one of the fastest in-depth races in british history i can't remember seeing anything better than this not as quick as like british champs yeah but i mean that's yeah outside of championship racing is this um on the track i would say yes you probably maybe that year that mark scott ran the british 5k road race that would have been similar but on mm. the track i'd say yeah it's definitely up there it's, it's far better than when we did it last year so i, I guess you're best to take us through the list from start to finish or whatever, whatever you think i guess the key races are mm. um because for me I, I always find it interesting looking at these because i've never really seen a race where like you've got ben connor i never knew he ran a 13 19 like, yeah, man um you know he's now a marathon guy but he's only been he's, he's only been a marathon guy for like two or three years really um prior to that predominantly a 5k runner um done high a few times obviously but yeah he's very very handy over the five let me just get the uh start list up in front of me all right race seven all right i've got the start list let's let's go what are we saying First, I just want to say, like, it's stacked, but what are sort of the names that scream out to you as potential ones to watch? And I'm not just talking at the front of the race because I'm looking at Ocean Perrin mm. and I'm obviously still in under 20. 13.53 last year? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say maybe we could see a, a UK under 20 record for the 5K, but that's 13.27. So maybe that's a bit too far away. But, yeah, I think that's I mean, it'd be quick. nice to see him get... It'd be nice to see him get down below... 13.45 and if the race has been paced at 13.40 I can imagine they'll crank at the last 2k yeah I mean talking of him specifically I can see him taking taking it on taking the lead with six five five six laps to go um I would predict that once the pacemaker drops out if he's not already active leader he'll put himself there and push it on um it's whether he's going to be able to shake uh, some of the other guys in the far in the in the past in the last K, um, but yeah, I think Ocean Perrin will run well. I think he will run a PB. I would be surprised to to see him go slower than his current personal best, just from like last year's race um, and, the, and the winning times there. Um, but yeah, a few other names like yeah, you know, obviously we've got the leading names that everyone knows about, and we'll, we'll cover them in a moment. But but some people that I know that are running really well, and I'm interested to see. Jacob Allen from Highgate, he's got a PB of 13.43 that he ran in a race in America that was won by Grant Fisher when they were both at university. He was at San Francisco University and Grant Fisher was at Stanford. And um, he hasn't improved that mark since then, but since then he's gone into a full-time job. He's now a full-time teacher and he's found a training process that works really well for him where he works full-time, he trains around his life and he just enjoys the sport. But he had a real good winter, some really good cross-country results, and some of the sessions that I've been watching on Strava have been really, really fast. So I could see Jacob running in and around 1350, um, maybe quicker, who knows. I think Dom Nolan, he's one to watch. Uh, chatted to him the other night down the track. Heard a lot of reports coming through that he's been running some quick sessions. He's the England 10,000-metre champion. Um, he's got a really good closing speed as well. And 13.53 last season, he PB'd last season of over the 1,500, the 3K, the 5K and the 10K. So, again, I think he's going to be in those 1340s. 
Um, another athlete to watch out for was Cam Allen from St. Mary's University. He had a huge breakthrough year last year, running 345 and the 1500, as well as 1404 for the 5000. When he ran that 1404, he won that race. And I think he closed in about 56. So he's got real potential to, to go well on the night. He had a serious injury during the winter where in his last 1500 meters of the season, he fell over with a lap to go. And I think he may have fractured a bone from it, but yeah, he's back, he's fighting fit, and I think he'll go well. Um, who else we got along the list? Uh, Mohammed Mohammed's, you know, name speaks for itself. Huge cross country pedigree. You know, he's also ran a 62 recent half marathon. Um, he ran comeback last year. He was fifth just inside 14 minutes. His, P- his PB of 13.53, I feel, really doesn't reflect the athlete. Um, mm. But I love that he puts himself on the start line. And it's great that he's brought his younger brother, Zach, with him as well, who's also had a great winter. Just ran a 64 half. Just got pipped to the Inner Counties cross-country win by Callum Johnson. But he's a young up-and-coming talent. And I think he will go inside 14. And just looking through the list, if it's worth anyone else to mention... Uh, I mean, everyone's worth a mention. Um, I mean, you've got Ben Connor and Nick Lulab who obviously speak for themselves as well. I can't remember if you mentioned them. Um, Jacob Allen, I think, is probably, I don't know, I reckon Highgate seem to have such a strong team as in, in general at the minute anyway. But, yeah. like, I think any of the guys, really, when you're talking, even those, like, going as far down as Ocean Perry and Dominic Nolan, you're going to see an interesting race unfold because... You'd, you'd like to think there's a few runners who would take it on once the pacemaker drops out in. You've got Mohammed Mohammed, Zach Mohammed. They'll probably be wanting to keep the pace hot. And you've also got Ozan Perrin. Um, and obviously Phil Sessman as well. I forgot, completely forgot about Phil Sessman. 1345 yeah, so guy. Yeah, this works really well for athletes like Phil and you know Ben Connor, who will no doubt lead. I know Phil's doing Highgate 10K and no doubt Ben Connor too. And this race is almost a great sharpener for them. Um, it's basically a month before Highgate. So they can taper down for this race, have a real good sharpener here, season opener over half the distance, and then they can go back to training for a few weeks. So um, I think Phil has openly said to us, you know, he just wants a hard run. He just wants a good, hard, solid run. You know, he should be in and around that 30, 45 mark. But he's run, he's run 13, 30 odd on the roads. There's no reason why with his 1500 meter pedigree and and how how class his winter's been that he can't challenge for that win um obviously ben connor speaks himself olympian for the marathon comes into the race with the quickest time 1319 he's going to be the man to be he's got a lot of experience on the international stage so stepping down to this domestic race he is going to probably be able to control this race however he likes i'd just be interested to see how he would go about winning this race it's going to be his first 5k on track for a little while he's got some quick closes in this race like you know, as good as Ben Connor is, I would not want Dom Nolan on my lap, on my shoulder with a lap to go. You know, these guys are going to be able to close in 55 seconds, I would say. That's quick for a marathon guy. So I'm really interested to see at what point are the, the stayers, like Connor and Mohammed um, Mohammed and Sessman, how are they going to win this race? Are they going to go with a few K to go or are they going to leave it late? Um, and then the last dynamic is Nick Gulab, our pacemaker for the race. Nick Gulab's run 13.33. Now, that was actually on the roads. And that was a time when I think Julian Wanders held the 5K road world record and Nick Gulab just missed it by a second. Mm. Now, 
he ran the fastest long leg at the national 12 stage at the weekend. And like that run was like seriously impressive. He put a lot of time into some real good athletes. And he said that he'll go to 3K in 812, 810, 812, around 13, 13.35, 13.40 pace. But he said he might carry on. We'll see how he feels. And if he carries on and the right Nick Gulab turns up on the night, it's going to be very hard to beat. So it's going to be an interesting race. But the women's race is the last race of the day. Is that the fastest women's race? Is that correct? Yeah, it's the finale. Which So in this race, who are the key takeaways? Like, I mean... There's a quite a lot of what. What's the pace for this? We've got two pacemakers in the women's race, which is a great development because one problem we had with the women's race is that Poppy Tank, who's British but based out in the states, she requested a fifteen fifteen pacer. She's run fifteen forty five best, but she's clearly in unbelievable shape. Sam Harrison then jumped on and said, "Yeah, I'll have that pace as well." So all of a sudden, we're like, "That's great," but we're going to struggle to find a pacer that either is fast enough to do it or just wants to race anyway. Basically, we needed someone in the top 10 in the UK. So we negotiated with them and said, look, 1525, how's that? And they said, that's fine. So we've got Rose Harvey, who is uh, famous for her marathon accolades. She's going to be pacing at the front, uh, 1525 pacer of 3K. And then we've got a secondary pacer in Kirsty Fraser. She's going to be going through um, the 3k mark at 15.55 pace now what this does it really sets up a really exciting race because there's a lot of girls in this race that are in and around the high 15s low 16 so they can jump on that second pacemaker but then you've got athletes like Megan Davies who ran 15.59 at podium she said she wants to run 15.46 which is the Scottish qualifying time for Commonwealth Games so she's got to make a decision. Do I go with the 15, 25 pace or do I hold back? And I think that when that pacer drops out at 3K, you know, it could be Poppy Tank and Sam Harrison at the front that have got to sort of sort themselves out and that could give the opportunity for the athletes behind to catch up. And I think the last couple of K is going to be a really exciting race. But, it, but, but that really sets up a great opportunity for a lot of these girls to PB and hit marks. Um. As long as they don't forget that there is a lot of money up for grabs for the win. So it's exciting times. But obviously Poppy Tank and Sam Harrison are going to be our, you know, our, our sort of favourites for the win in terms of the shape that they're in. Sam Harrison's just run 68-12 for the half. How is she going to fare coming back down to the track? Poppy Tank has been PB and over everything since she signed professionally for Puma in the States. I think she's going to be tough to beat. Um, Hannah Irwin. She has said that she's going to jump on 15.25 pace. She, she ran comeback last time. She was second to Jenny Nesbitt. She's run 15.49. So she, she'll be well in there for a, for a podium shout and maybe even take the win. Um, and then other athletes to watch out for. Philly Bowden is a sub-16 athlete previously. Um, Megan Davies is in great shape. She, she'll look to go inside 16. And, and as will Sarah Astin as well, who has had a great winter. Um, and then obviously Eleanor Bolton, another sub-16 athlete who ran the fastest leg at the 12-stage, uh, six-stage national road wheelers at the weekend. So this is, this is why it's the finale, arguably the most exciting race of the weekend. Well, I mean, you've got the you've got an extra aspect of knowing the qualifications are very much in reach for quite a lot of different areas, like Commonwealths and Europeans. Where in the men's side, you've probably got more of a race. And this mm. side, you've got a race, obviously, because there's still a lot of prize money for grabs. 
but we've also got a race where people are going for fast times. And I think that's interesting because personally, it, it's one of them where you're like, what do you risk? To, do you risk doing the work and trying to get that time, especially for the two girls at the front? Or do you obviously try to keep the pace hot because you want to get the qualification, but you also don't want to do too much work because you want to win the money? And that's that's a difficult one. Like I think that's a really interesting one because normally in, an, in any normal race, especially BMCs, for example, I'd happily come second if it meant I got a time, a qualification standard. Whereas in this, what would you rather have? And it's, it's a bit more interesting. That's it. That's it. I've just had a message come through that we've just confirmed. So obviously for the elite winners, they win a grand. So thousand pound mm. each guaranteed. And then any money from the prize pot contribution fund that will be split evenly across the winners. We did have a few people ask about, could that money be split for the top three? Uh, and the reason we're not doing that is because that's what everyone else does. We want to create exciting races to win. Lay your cards on the table and go for it. And if you don't succeed, that's, that's tough luck. Come back next year. The other races, the open races, we've been able to secure some, um, some prizes. So each winner from the open races will get a £50 voucher to spend at Pro Direct Running as well as an exclusive comeback uh, Pro Direct racing vest. So it's like those, price, those prizes are like not like humongous, but they will grow over the years. And we've got some big plans, especially with TripAdvisor, for some, for some naughty prizes. Free holidays. Not saying anything. See, I, for that, I'm literally going to book my holiday through TripAdvisor this year. Whenever I, want to, whenever I want to travel this year, I'm going straight to TripAdvisor, purely just for sponsoring this meet. Obviously, we both commentated that 10,000 metres, the national championships. I can't remember what track that was at, but it was last year in London. We streamed it. Are you on the mic again on uh, tomorrow night? Are you on the yeah, mic? Yeah. Me and Becca Howard want, are back on commentary. I, I just want a repeat of you screaming down the mic the whole last lap like you did like you did before. Honestly, that is one of the best commentary I've ever heard in my entire life. And it's just, you, know, you know what's really sad about that? is the fact that that last 200 metres, I can recite to yeah. like word for word to the exact way I did it. And the reason why is because I've watched it so many times and it's just, it was such a, I just think it was such a monumental moment for track and field in the UK, or track specifically, because like we were in the height of the lockdown, you know, the rules were groups of six or, or whatever it was, I can't remember. And, you know, we said to everyone, like, no spectators, can't have anyone come inside. The only people that were allowed to come inside the track were officials and licensed coaches. And, you know, we were strict on that. And we had people lining the fence on the outside of Batsy Park, and that was technically illegal at the time. And it was just the demand of track action like that in the UK. And I felt like it was such a catalyst. So once that meeting, you know, happened and the next day and the dust settled, I think a few people woke up and thought, like we can do that, you know, podium of teamed up with sports shoes. They've gone and done these races around the UK, followed a similar model, try, or try to, you know, various races are happening in and around. I think you'll see a lot this year that are, that are trying to emulate, you know, what we, what we created because we're not recreating the wheel here. Yeah. We are basically what, when I, when I think of ideas and I put them forward and some of them are shit, don't get me wrong, like, could be a good idea, could be not, but I will basically take something from different sports around the world so, for example, I may see something when I'm watching cricket or UFC, tennis or something, and think, Do you know what, we could just adapt that 
and put that into our meeting. And it might be something as simple as uh, something I see on a preview for a UFC fight or something that the commentator says or something that I see in the ring or in a tennis game or something like that. You know, just all these little elements of sport and I just put them, put them into an idea and think, right, let's try that. And with this meeting specifically, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff we've advertised that we will be doing, but there's a lot of things that we haven't advertised because we want to show some of those, some of those ideas um, and just show they are possible. And like I say, they're not, we're not, they're not groundbreaking stuff. They're just giving the fans what I know they want. And then that's it. I feel like, like you said, the one before, was that in 2021 or was that in 2020? Mate, I get asked this every day and I can't actually remember. That is so strange that it was merged into one. Uh, At least it makes me sick that that's I the case. It was last year. Yeah, but I don't know. I think it was because I think it was when the Euros were. So it was qualification yeah. for the Euros. So yeah. I think it was totally. But that, that that race, I was watching it at home, quite jealous that I wasn't there in the end. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like it was, I was just loving being able to watch because that was kind of the first time ever you could watch a domestic race on YouTube with that streaming quality and commentary. And I was like, this is amazing. And then obviously we did it again in the 10,000 meters where we had some stream issues, which is, you know, it's going to happen when it's like a new thing. But yeah. I feel like now at so, there's so many other streams where you can watch races through a stream, whether that's Instagram live, which is obviously not as good quality, but just the ability to watch all these athletes is just, I think it's so good for the sport and the country, like, because in any, any other country, you could go to America and watch pretty much every race on FlowTrack if you had a subscription. And I don't, I'm not a fan of FlowTrack, but the, the things that you can watch are amazing. Whereas mm. here, you wouldn't know if, if this wasn't a stream or if you weren't doing this event or if it was like a low-key event, you wouldn't know until hours later what people have run. And being able to actually watch the race is such an important factor. And for that, would you rather be watching and commentating on a race or would you rather be watching and commentating on a fast, fast time? Which one would you rather see come to like in the race? Yeah, I'm not interested about quick times, man. I um, I think that there are there are not there are enough of them around the world. We're used to seeing most of them in many diamond leagues now, and you know, time trial races in America and various other things. I'm not really, I'm not that passionate about fast times. I'm mm. really passionate about good races. I think they they you remember them a lot more. Um, if I had it my way, mate, there'd be no pacemakers at come back and it's actually something i've put forward for the next next events that we've got and it probably is going to happen there won't be pacemakers because we want to create competition around winning and making the podium and tactical racing and showing your cards during your race to ultimately win prizes whether it's money or various other prizes but this time around with it being the first one of the season and we understand there are qualifying marks to be hit to be hit we have set pacemakers up but yeah, if I had it my way, mate, I would just say there's no paces. You want to win that money, lay your cards down and go for it. So, and as a commentator, I enjoy calling races that you don't need to be looking at the clock. You know, I don't want to be looking at the clock and working out, oh, are they on pace? I don't, I don't care about that. I want to know who's who's wearing the race and what position they're in and things like that. Um, but I think it goes back further, you know, before when we did the England champs before the first comeback, go way back. The first, the first time that I realised that there was a hunger from, from the track and field community and the fans in the UK to watch races live was 
actually back at Battersea Park in 2019, I think it was. And it was an event called the Night of the 1500 Meter PBs. And I, um, I went down to watch just as a fan. Um, Genevieve Lacaz and or Genevieve Gregson, maybe that time, and Ryan were doing the 1500. And the women's 1500 meters was, was really teed up to be a good race. And I just went down and I just said to, to Steve, I said, oh, do you mind if I just jump on the infield and just live stream my phone? And I put it on Instagram and there was, a, I can't remember how many viewers are watching it, but there was a lot of viewers. And like, I thought, well, give me a start list, a bit of paper, and I'll go and introduce the athletes because I'd seen it done on, the, uh, on, on TV. And I thought, oh, I'll have a crack at that. And I think and people really enjoyed it. They enjoyed that I was able to introduce some, you know, young, young athletes, some older athletes, some vets, you know, give everyone that airtime. And then it was when Mark Cookway created the Bromley Twilight Invitational and invited me down to live stream that. And that was the first time where I was having conversations with race organisers beforehand to plan where I was going to be to commentate, again, using an iPhone. So, you know, crap stream quality. But the good thing about that meeting was that the races were so good. So that was during the lockdown when you could only have six in a race. So we had a 3K race with six athletes. First was Mark Scott in 740. Last was 750-odd. Just mental race. And I remember, like, Evan Yeager and the Bowman guys were watching the stream because Mark Scott was racing and they were commenting on it and Craig Engels was commenting on it. And I'm thinking, like, I'm in the middle of a field, like, a middle of a field ultimately in Bromley, in South London, with a crappy iPhone, and this is reaching the other side of the world. Don't tell me that track racing in the UK is not fun. I'm, I'm reaching the other side of the planet to the pinnacle of the American sport with Craig Engels and BTC. So why are they not watching the British champs? Why are they mm. not invested in the BMCs? Well, quick answer, because they're not exciting meetings. Just simple as. So... Then comeback came around and, you know, we, we, we did what we did. I jumped on board with that. Again, real short, short sort of time to organise what we could organise, low budget. Um, but the, the turning point was, do you remember when we, what was that app that we used where, where you could chat with loads of people at one time? Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yeah. It was when I was on that Clubhouse chat with you, Sam Parsons, um, Honestly, I don't even remember any of them. Like, I, so looked at, I looked at some of the names. I was clicking on it. It was like Nike, North America. And I was like, okay. And then the next name was like head of USATF. And I was like, yeah. what is this? How has this happened? Everyone, like anyone who was anyone in the track and field world was there. It was such a cool little moment. And like, obviously I got my opportunity to speak about the problems that we had in the UK track scene. And I had that conversation with Sam Parsons and it really resonated with me that, what I thought in my head I was right with. And um, I've chatted to Sam a few times um, about various things. And, you know, he's a big fan of what I'm trying to achieve because I feel like he's on the same level of what needs to be done with the sport. You know, he won that mile the other night. Look how engaged that local community was. It's really important we engage the community to every event that we host. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. 
and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And I really believe that whether it's a local league match or a British champs, we have to we have to remember that the competition is going to go ahead regardless. The races, the field events, they're, they're going to happen. They're not just going to stop. That's never going to change. But what's going on in the stands and what's going on behind the scenes and who's watching it, that can change. And it has done since the 70s and 80s when tracks were packed out in the UK. They're not packed out anymore. The competition hasn't changed. If anything, it's got better. People are running faster, going further and throwing farther. So why is the outside of the track changed. My opinion is because it hasn't been looked after. Those people haven't been considered. And I say all these things and I have these opinions and I, and I know there'll be people out there that will disagree and say, oh, that's such a knobhead view. But if you can prove to me that these meetings are exciting, I will eat humble pie. And I don't want to hear, oh yeah, well we get these viewing figures because they're on BBC. I think that's bollocks because, yeah, it's on BBC. You're going to get viewing figures. It's the biggest broadcasting channel in the UK. I've been to these meetings. I've stood in the stands and been just like almost ashamed to be there and because of how boring they are and yet held meetings with low budgets and in the excitement level has been tenfold. So... I've always had this opinion of this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, moaned about it, moaned about it, moaned about it. And then it got to a point where I was just like, you know what, I'm sick of moaning about it. I'm sick of working against these people and moaning about people that aren't doing their jobs. I'd rather just go and do it, prove that what can be done, work with the people and, and benefit the sport that way. And, you know, this time around, what we've got going on tomorrow night is going to be good. It's going to be a success and everyone's going to enjoy it. And I predict that the backlash from it will be positive. But it really, really is a dip in the ocean of what we've got planned and the talks that we've had with various sponsors, budgets that we've spoken with various sponsors, conversations that I've had with British athletics. And I really think that this will be a true turning point of what's to come um, because, and this is a problem that British athletics had last year where they couldn't basically deliver a product that was appealing to broadcasters. If you can't deliver a product that is, that is appealing to broadcasters and sponsorship, you will run out of money. If you run out of money, that means that you can't get the best athletes, you can't get the best equipment, you can't get the streaming, all of that. Whereas just using the contacts that I've, that I've got and, the, and, and some of the other people in the team, like we haven't even got technically a product to be able to, to present, but I'm still having conversations where they're, the people are saying, okay, well, you do well tomorrow night, show us, you know, show us you can do it. We know you can, but show us you can do it. We'll give you this for next year. We'll give you this amount of money. We're talking big sums, man. You know, we're talking, we're talking to give you to give you some insight in the first comeback. I don't know what the budget was. Um, a couple of grand, maybe, maybe a grand, two grand. Made no profit. These, these meetings are not for profit at all. In fact, I think we made a loss. And this time around, far, far, far more money. Um, but the amount of money that we've got this time. The conversations we've had with sponsors for the future we're talking five times what we've been given this time mm -hmm. and this is like the more money we've got the more potential we've got to do stuff and the more 
we can put into the meetings. And every time I find an extra five quid to put into the meeting, I'm thinking, okay, what can we do? How can we spend that money to engage the fans better? Do we need better cameras, better audio, better Wi-Fi connection or internet connections, more, more camera angles? Do we need special guests to come down, better sponsors? There's so much stuff that we can do. Um, and I just, I just, I'm really excited to basically deliver what we can do tomorrow night, continue into next year with what we've got planned and the conversations we're having, British Athletics and various other sponsors, but also I really, really excited to see what this will ignite for other people. I know there'll be people around the UK that will go, I can do that. I can do that. And that's where the sport's going to elevate because one meeting, one events company is not going to be able to do it all. We mm. need five or six people around the UK saying, I'm going to do that in my local area. So the one thing I want to ask you then is, is like putting on a, a race as in simple, like a BMC kind of thing, isn't terribly hard, but how do you change that from putting on a race to actually saying all these things and trying to get the fans involved, trying to get a more exciting event, more spectator friendly event. What are sort of the priorities for that? Like, what do you think is the main issues we face now mm. and how do you think you tackle them? So, First and foremost, talk about your meeting. I can't stress this enough. Talk about your meeting in advance. If you say something enough to someone, they'll believe it. I'm a salesman by trade, unofficially. Every day for the past four, three, four weeks, I've been talking about comeback, whether it's the start lists, the sponsors, just constantly going on and on and on and on about the meet. Because if I don't, it's not going to market itself. Mm. and we haven't even got a marketing strategy we have for next time but we've just been like oh, i'll just throw it on instagram talk about it you can't rely on people just knowing that that meeting's coming up okay so first and foremost is market your event on social media channels get people talking about your event that is when we create the marketing strategy for the, for the future events i've got a few things that i feel that i'm going to play on a few, a few strategies to really elevate the marketing of an event for example i probably know a hundred if not more fitness influencers some of them run some of them have got massive instagram accounts in the hundreds of thousands of followers so i want them talking about comeback i will contact them and say oh can you do a story for us talk about comeback come down get on the comms i don't know some of them might do it for free some of them might not but that is going to share and spread our engagement to new audiences because that person who's a fitness influencer has got 400,000 followers. None of his followers have a clue about track running, but 10% of them might come down and watch. It's 400 people. And I'll give you a prime example. Harry Judd, who's the drummer from McFly, has recently got into running. He's coached by Steph Davis. I think he's coming on the night actually, but he trains in Bushy Park and he's got a friend called Will that he trains with. Will works in the corporate world and Will's been helping a lot with organising this meet and putting ideas forward. And Harry's going to put it on his Instagram story today. 400,000 followers he's got and loads of them are fly fans. But who knows? 5% of them might watch the stream tomorrow. 3% of those 5% might enjoy it and 2% of that 3% might come next time. That's how you get a new fans, man. Put it in front of eyes that have never seen it before. So that's the first thing, market the second thing is that there's two types of viewers. You've got your live stream viewers and you've got your in-person viewers. You've got to be able to engage both at the same time. 
this is the first time that we're doing a meeting with spectators. So this is all new to me, man. Like, this is where my stress is coming from because there's a lot that I'm not going to be able to control when I'm on comms. I'm not going to be able to get out of my seat for four hours. So that's where the team come together and it's all about planning and prepping and organisation. But ultimately, this has been the biggest challenge to, to be able to entertain people alongside what's going on on the track. Now, I'm not having a magician down there doing tricks or anything, but ultimately, you need people to be able to have access to food, drink, um, music, and create a vibrant atmosphere. So it's not just race, break, race, break. Couple that up with making sure that the races are bang, 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 bang. So the, the, the final finisher from each race will go over the line. The next race starts in 90 seconds. Like it is just bang, 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 bang. Eight, eight, nine races, three hours, done. We don't want people there all day. Do you know what I mean? So in terms of what we've got down there, we've got a bar where we'll be selling various beers. We've got a company called Summit that have got this old school, like 1960s renovated ambulance. They'll be selling coffees, teas, nutrition snacks, various things like that. Now they are also bringing their own videographer, which is amazing. And I'll talk about content in a second. Um, and then we've got a PA system with a DJ. So it'll be a vibrant atmosphere. Again, not reinventing the wheel, mate. It's just a load of beers, load of snacks, music. And then there's a nearby cafe. It's called Cafe, but it's, 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 like, a, it's like an outdoor restaurant, basically. Literally 100 metres from Battersea Park. And they do really, really banging takeaway pizzas, takeaway burgers and things like that. Now, we really struggled with getting a food vendor. So we'll just say, go out the main gate, turn left, there it is. It's literally like walking distance. Just go and get your food. If you want a cold pint pulled out of a tap, just go there. Or you can have one of ours. So Batsy Park is a beautiful, beautiful venue and it's come together really nicely. I mentioned there about that videographer. And this is where we've maybe done something different compared to some of the bigger meetings like British Champs and that. With big meetings, obviously you need media accreditation. I understand that. For safety, health and safety, I get that. You don't need that comeback. I've invited any creative I've got on my Instagram, whether it's someone that's got a podcast, big influencer, photographers, videographers, everyone come down. Any photographer I've said, just, just come down, take photos. You don't need permission. You're all good to just use this for your own content. We've then got obviously ProDirect, bringing a creative team. So they'll bring a photographer and a videographer to get content. So we'll summit. I'll also have people on my team that will be videoing on the day and gaining content. And the more content we can get, the more reach we can get after the meeting. So we can sort of build the momentum for the next meeting and, and, and gain the hype that way. And that's where we're engaging more people and sharing the wealth in a way. We don't want to be closed off to anyone. And I feel that track and field is a very closed off sport in the UK at times. It's a two, you know, not what you know. It's have you got this accreditation? Have you got this? Just, just come, just come down, do what you're passionate about, whether that's race, coach cheer drink take photos commentate whatever it is but do it do it at our event because it benefits the event it doesn't benefit us it benefits us it benefits our event but it benefits the sport ultimately so they're like the three main pillars of marketing your event engaging the fans that are there and and sharing the access to more creatives and then the last one is engaging the live stream I don't really know what the non-negotiables are to do this because I've only done it a few times, but ultimately a commentary team is really important. You have to have a commentary team that 
people are willing to listen to for four hours and and not get sick of and be be impartial and open to um you know not criticism but open to debate and things like that without making it political as well like I think that we're very much used to with BBC and various other streaming sources we're used to this traditional style of commentating whereas with this meeting we don't really have a style we just commentate it as fans so when I call a race I'm just calling it as I see it I'm not really worrying about what I say obviously I'm not abusing anyone but you know I get excited just as anyone else would watching it and with YouTube, YouTube Live is brilliant because you can have the live, live chat and we engage the fans and say, look, get in the chat, throw your questions, support your, support your mates, throw out anything. On, like, you literally write anything you like, literally anything you like. And last time that worked really well because we had people in there that were supporting their friends and their family members running. We also had club mates and, and various people like that. But we also had like coaches in the chat or people throwing stats out, like, you know, so-and-so ran a last lap of 60.4 there. Great. I read that. I'll quote that on the commentary live stream. And that gives value and engages the fans more. And it's just giving them more of a stake into the race, even though they couldn't be there. Um, and they're like the main four pillars, man. Marketing it, sharing access, and engaging people there and people at home. Because the competition takes care of itself. I don't need to worry about whether these races are going to be exciting. What's that? Yeah, I, I, sorry. I, I think listening to you talk about it is from such a passionate point of view is quite refreshing to hear because normally we have races where it's just get on the start line and race. And then if you're lucky, there's a photographer there. And if you're lucky, there's a stream type thing. So it's good to know that this is happening behind the scenes and actually work's being done to make it more exciting. And actually, it's not just the race, like the race almost comes last behind all these other things because mm. the race is guaranteed. The runners are getting on the start line. That's their job. They're there to do that. Everything else is the uncontrollable. The only thing that actually is consistent is the race. So everything else that you can do outside of that, I think is the most important thing. And I think one key thing you've mentioned there is content and getting people, not just watching this meet, but then seeing content for months to come like say if there's a really fast kick, like a really fast lap, if that's everywhere, or say if you get a bit of commentary, what's quite iconic, if that's everywhere after the meet, people are like, when can I tune into this again? When can I watch this again? Or even not your meet, it's like, what well, that was great. When can I watch something else like this? Mm -hmm. And that, again, obviously, hopefully other people start doing the same. Because like you said, not one person or one team can do everything. I think that's where you grow fans of the sport. And also, like you said, how... Uh, you got the McFly um, person who was posting on Instagram. Running is the most popular sport on the planet in terms of participation. So even if people are like, oh, I run a park run, I run the marathon, or I'm yeah. trying to run whatever, if they're like, wow, these people are doing this, if they can get enticed from that just by having knowledge that it's on, I think that draws people in a lot. And that's kind of the key thing as well. And that's obviously a marketing strategy. I'm not sure if you where you got the, the hundred people from. Um, I, I've learned that from Russell Brunson, that traffic secrets. That's a bit geeky marketing side of things, but like it's dream 100 or something like that. And it's such a good way to get people enticed. You find everyone in the space whose followers might be interested in this and just be everywhere. And that's what track meets need, need to be. They need to be everywhere. Everyone needs to, you, you have to do everything perfectly or do everything extremely well to grow the sport. 
Whereas in other sports, like basketball, for example, if you said this game's on this day, you didn't say anything else, everyone would be there because they know what to expect and know what they're getting. Whereas this, no one's going to come in hundreds or thousands because the typical sort of stream or the typical type of thing is very average or non-existent. So I think that's really important. Yeah, I think I've used my mistakes and lessons that I've learned from, from other businesses that, I've, that I run in terms of marketing and one, one way that one marketing strategy that we use at Team Project Run is that we, we, in, we um, interact with specific accounts that are targeted around our audience. So, um, you know, it's basically, basically create yourself a friends list. We have a spreadsheet, it's called friends list. And we have about 400 people on that. And I have an employee that their sole job is to interact on all of their posts once a week, twice a week, because that person's audience is our target audience. And that is how you market on social media. Ultimately, you create a massive pot of people that, Everyone supports each other. Everyone interacts with each other. Again, no closed door policy. We open the door. We let everyone in. We support everyone and share the access. And that's what we're going to do with track and field. And uh, yeah, like I struggle, I struggle biting my tongue, not biting my tongue. I struggle with so many elements of the sport, but one of the main areas that I really struggle with track and field because I love track and field so much. I think it's sometimes a bit of a problem how much I love it, but because I'm involved in different areas of running, commercial running, community running, I see so many people, thousands of people that love running, but have no care for track and field. Like they don't, they don't know it Monday through Sunday. I could name any runner other than Usain Bolt or Mo Farah, they wouldn't have a clue they are. I'm mystified of how that is a possibility. How has it been allowed for that to happen? How have we as a nation and as a sport allowed that? It, it, you know, we go one further. Over a thousand people go down to Bushy Park Park Run every single Saturday. And I've, I use this, I use, I've actually quoted this to the ex-CEO of British Athletics on a Zoom call. I said, thousands of people, over a thousand go to Bushy Park Park Run every Saturday. How many of those what percentile of those people will come and watch British champs this year? Because I guarantee it's less than 5%. Do you know what's hilarious about that? It British indoor champs. I reckon the only people there were friends and family. The stadium was 80% empty in the indoor British champs. It was just friends and family there. And it, that was the British champs. I know, man. I know. I think it's, it's a tough one. Like, there's, there's so many suggestions of, of improving of, the, of improving that. Um, I've, I have not had access to put those ideas forward. I don't work for the right people. I'm not really probably ever going to. But this is where my mindset's changed. Rather than sitting in the background and being like, oh, you're shit, this is wrong, not doing a good enough job. I'd rather, and I don't have access to change it, I'll just be like, all right, well, I'll do this meeting. I'll show you what can be done in the UK. And it, it will create, create enough noise that it will come across your desk. And that's basically what's happened. Um, and then work with these people. And Cherry Alexander, events director at British Athletics, great individual, you've reinstated. And I was chatting to her in the week and I said, look, no, it's real short notice. 
And I know it's Easter weekend, but we'd love for you to come down. And she said, oh, you know, she's away for a few days. She can't make it. Um, but she wants, to talk, she wants to chat about 2023. 20, that's great. Can't wait to chat about 2023. But she now knows about the meeting. That is a huge, huge win. She is aware of our meeting. She might watch it. She, she might look, up, look out for the results after, or she might see a few clips after. It's just getting it across the right desks. Because the people in the right positions, they've got the power. They've got, it's their job. That's their job to facilitate these meetings and make these more accessible for people. So it's exciting times. Um, and I'm really, what I'm really excited for is, is the things that I can't really predict are gonna, what, what, what the outcome is gonna be. So I'm really excited to see what the content looks like afterwards. You know, there's people coming down that are professional videographers and their job is to make things look really cool on social media. And I'm really excited to see that product come out I think it'll be a really proud moment for the sport to see us a, a meeting documented the way it's going to be documented. Um, and yeah, it's the only negative is that I can't run. I can't actually race in it. That's real. And that's one of the annoying things is that you do all this work to host a really exciting meeting, but I have to commentate it, which is fun, but I wish I could just dip out for half hour and go and run one of the races. You should get yourself a mic talk like they do in, in American sports and just do a 5k. Not sure how that would go, but try and commentate while you're running around. Oh, in the front. maybe one day, maybe one day. But yeah, there's, there's so many ideas we've got, mate. Like, obviously, one of the big pulls for, for elevating this track meeting in, into the future is, is corporate. There's a lot of money in corporate in London. And I feel that corporate is an area that the sport currently doesn't really tap into. You know, one of our sponsors is TripAdvisor. What have they got to do with track, track and field? Mm. Nothing. But I know the marketing director at TripAdvisor. I run with him quite frequently. He runs for Wimbledon, Hercules Wimbledon. And we went on a long run and he said, he's an Irish guy. And he was like, oh yeah, I put, I, I sponsored the Irish Milers meet uh, in uh, Belfast, I think it is. And he was like, yeah, like, you know, I get, I've got good budgets and I'm really interested in putting more money forward for something I'm passionate about. And my light bulb went off in my head and I'm like, sponsor our meet then. Like, this is like, you can have everything you want. You can get all the, all the passion you want from us to sponsor our meet. And there you go, done, simple as that. Like not even, not even a difficult conversation to have. And now we've got one of the biggest brands in corporate travel and tourism sponsoring our meet and their budgets are frightening. The potential there are frightening. And couple that up with ProDirect, one of the biggest, I don't know what you call them. Um, what would you even call that industry? Sportswear retailer. Something. I don't Sportswear know. retailer. Yeah, that's it. Probably the probably the biggest in the UK. If I'm honest. Second biggest. Are they? No, I'm just saying. Who's first? Sports shoes. Oh, okay. Well, then then I know they're definitely Nike's biggest account. Um, so they're, they're sponsoring us and, and they've got a really great team behind them of actual runners. You know, they're all runners in their team and they're, they're keen to get involved in this and do more stuff like that. So it's just, it's just good people around the table at the same time. If you can put passionate heads around the table and give, a, give everyone access, you can create a really good product. And that's what I'm really excited to do after this meeting. The first thing that I'll be doing is, is listening. Listening is really key. Feedback is key. Taking those bits of feedback and implementing them to, to the table, but bringing people in. Like I've got this dream 
a sit sitting in a theoretical or sort of hypothetical boardroom with 20 people around this table for comeback and we've got me Steve Gardner we've got Ross Murray who's passionate about running you're at the other end of the table we've got people from Pro Direct TripAdvisor and the sole reason for this meeting is to say how do we make this meeting better and that's 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 the dream man and I think you're the person for for that job and I think to close it off because that's why we've been talking for an hour um where can people watch mm. is there anything else you want to say and also the times and everything just your floor's yours to just plug everything so we can clip it and have all the information in one go um so yeah just hit us with it marketing i guess the marketing uh speech okay so friday tomorrow at batsy park you can enter from 12 o'clock lunchtime it's free entry to everyone there'll be beers Alcoholic, non-alcoholic. There'll be a uh, coffees, teas, nutrition snacks from Summit. There will be music, live DJ, very vibrant atmosphere. There'll be viewing areas on the home straight on the track. So you can be trackside amongst it, as well as the back straight where the DJ is as well. Um, there'll be nearby food at the, at the Pear Tree Cafe, which is a hundred meter walk from the track entrance where you can get takeaway pizzas, beers, burgers, you name it. Proper Southwest London scram. In terms of first race, 12.25, the first race, and the elite races are from 3 p.m. or so onwards. Um, to watch the live stream, head over to ProDirect Running's YouTube page. Alternatively, head over to belgraveharriers.com where you can watch the stream. And the last point is that we are crowdfunding for a prize pot to be split amongst the race winners of the men's and women's elite races. So. You can donate as little as one pound and that will be split evenly across those winners. And last time we did this, we raised 1,505 pounds. So if you do have any spare change lying around, I know that Rushi has put the bills up for everyone. Please do donate. I just wanted to give a second there to, so I didn't interrupt any audio just so I can clip that as well um, for the video. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think I'm going to try and just promote as much as possible over the next... 24 hours and also I probably will um make a web page on Trackster as well and get the the mm. the link and embed it onto the site and then also have the donation link and stuff like that. And the guessing... donation link's really good. It's got um like at the top of the page is the donation link and then the live stream is underneath. Oh really? Yeah, wow. okay. yeah. So it's on Belgrave Harry's website and so you can just click play, watch the live yeah. stream and donate at the same time. But other than that, mate. Comeback is back. I can't wait.